Welcome to the Clear Impact Podcast, brought to you by PGTI University. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Sherry Connor, and I am your host. And that's why I tried to tell some of our customers, like, make sure when that new building code comes out, sometimes there's little changes here and there that you want to check for because it could be beneficial to you. Getting in and getting out are a big deal in the fenestration industry. Egress, WOCDs, and safety glazing are all tied together in this episode of the Clear Impact Podcast. That's right, we are talking about safety in Windows and Doors 201. Our code compliance team knows all the details around the safety requirements and shares it with us today. This will help clarify any confusion you may have around these life-saving features of Windows and Doors. Good morning. We are here on the Clear Impact Podcast, and we are in a series called Windows and Doors 201. And today we are talking about safety. So there are several points in this topic, like egress, fall protection, and safety glazing. Lynn Miller and Lisa Wilson are back in studio with us to help us answer the questions that are most often asked. So welcome back. Thanks. Good Thank to be you. back. So egress is the safety that is around getting out, like in case of a fire. And there's a lot of confusion around this topic. And so we really wanted to kind of explain that a little deeper. So tell us about egress. Okay. I'll start with that. I'll just give you a little bit of background as to why these requirements are in the building code. Okay. So egress, it's often referred as egress, getting out, but it's actually more about ingress. Actually, the requirements are specific opening dimensions of windows and doors so that a fireman with an air tank on his back mm-hmm. can actually get into your window and help you get out. Oh. So that's the reason why they have specific requirements in there. And Elisa's going to go through the specifics of the dimensions. Okay. Okay. So this is a question we get quite often again. And for emergency escape and rescue. The dimensions are your opening width is 20 inches. Your opening height is 24. Your minimum sill to your clear opening is 44 inches. And then your overall, they ask for 5.7, except for grade. Then there's an exception in there for five foot overall. But you have to meet all of those requirements for egress. And those are square footages, the five, the 5.0 and the 5.7. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't think five inches would work on right, those. Right. Yeah. So the sill, is that from the floor to the bottom of the window? To your clear opening. So where the clear opening would start to the floor. Yeah, okay. The, the bottom of the opening. So okay. it be the top of your window sill. Okay. Is that for every room? Is it for bedrooms? Is it for everywhere in the house? Like where is that? Whatever room is required to have an egress opening. Okay. For bedrooms, if they do require an egress opening, if but there could be a door, there could be something else there that would qualify for egress. So that's really, you need to check that. Okay. And the building department will let you know which areas need it, which do not. And I will say in commercial apartments, condos, et cetera, mm-hmm. you need to check on that, whoever the project manager is, because they have certain conditions that don't always follow what residential does. Okay. That makes sense. So there's just definite requirements so that if there was a fire and somebody needed to come in to rescue you, they can get in safely. That makes sense. Correct. That makes sense. Anything else about egress? I think that's pretty much it. One of the things is if you happen to have a high rise building and you're above 75 five feet, they historically don't require egress openings because typically the fire department won't have a ladder that can reach you for those types of situations. So uh, above 75 feet, there, there are no egress requirements mm. for the window openings. Ah, because nobody's climbing in to get you. So you better That's know right. where your safety exits are. That's where you have to head to the fire escape or the uh, stairwells, etc. Right. So if you're on the 10th floor of the hotel, you better know. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. Because I don't know what 75 feet is in floors. Uh, probably about seven and a half, seven or eight stories somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah, so. Okay. Okay. So ninth floor and up. 
<laughs> okay. I did have a short question. We talk a lot about how it's on dimensions, but are there other things that incorporate into it? For example, how easy is it to open from the outside? Or if there's a screen, does anything else? Or is it only dimensions? Uh, well, good question. No, you. it's normal operation of the window. So no special tooling is requ- for the windows. Doors is a little bit different, but for egress openings, as far as the windows go, it's just normal operation of a window. Isn't it like two motions or less? Like with locks and opening and things like that? Not on a window, no. Oh, okay. That's different than what I understood. People get that confused. That's They might be looking at a door or it could be looking at an older version of egress. Okay. For example, back, this is a long time ago because like I told you, I've been right <laughs> doing this since 2001. There used to be something in there for educational facilities where your egress lock couldn't be more than 54 inches. And people would think that was the case for residential too and it wasn't. And now that's not even in the code anymore. So the code does change ever so often and little things change here and there. So for egress for windows, no, it does not call about how many locks you can have, what you need to do. It's just your normal operation of a window. Normal operation. Okay. And the building code changes every three years. They do an update and a revision. So the last one was 2021? 2020 was the last building code. That's the current building code that we're in right now. It's the 2020. 2020. And that was the seventh edition, right? Correct. For Florida. Correct. And so they're working on the eighth edition and that'll be coming out. That will be uh, the uh, the end of uh, 2023. So it's actually December 31st. It effectively goes into effect, you know, the, the beginning of the year of, okay. of 2024. But, okay. Yeah. So we're halfway through this current cycle. Right. Got it. Okay. All right. So we're good with egress. Another safety feature or safety point around windows and doors is about not falling out. Right. And so kids fall out of second story and third story windows all the time. I see it on the news. It's horrible. And there are different ways to provide fall protection. And so what are these and why would you want to choose one over another? Okay. Yeah, the building code actually has different requirements for fall protection. So kind of to give you a little bit of an idea of what this is, uh, the idea is to restrict the opening of a window no greater than a four inch clear dimension. And so the idea is that that's uh, basically small enough that a small child can't get their head through there and then fall out. That four inch clear dimension is also used for railings, clear dimension between railings on stairs and so forth. So that's kind of a well-known dimension that they feel comfortable that a child can't fall out of that. Mm-hmm. So there's different options. Obviously, if you're on the ground floor, you don't have that issue. But if you're on elevated floors where somebody could fall out, there's different ways to meet that requirement. One of the ways is just simply limiting the window to the four inch dimension. So sometimes they have extended sash stops on the window to prevent the window from opening more than that four inches. Mm-hmm. But if the window also needs to meet egress, as Lisa mentioned, not all windows need to meet egress. Mm-hmm. There's only certain windows. So if you have a window in an elevated situation where you don't need to meet egress, the only thing you need to do is prevent that window from opening more than four inches. Mm-hmm. And you've met the fall prevention requirement. But if you have to meet egress, they have a device called a WOCD. Mm-hmm. It's a window opening control device. And basically, that's a device on the window that allows you to open the window all the way up uh, to where you can have egress. So if you had a fire or something, you can get out of the building. And then if someone opens the window and then closes it again, once they close the window, the device automatically resets so that it locks you from being able to open it more than four inches. Mm. So then a small child couldn't open that window more than the four inches. Mm. And so those are obviously important. You need to be able to get out in case of a fire and you want to keep that child in the house as well. Right. And another thing that's uh, very important 
important. People rely on these devices and things. There's always cases where, you know, maybe somebody didn't reset that sash or, or something and um, you have, somebody may have some furniture near the window because there's also sill height requirements for the uh, fall prevention. I think it's uh, 24 inches for uh, residential and currently in the commercial code, it's also 24 inches uh, off the floor, but that may be changing again. But if you happen to have a window, let's say that you're at that 24 inches, you don't need to have these fall prevention devices, but you may have furniture in front of the window and Mm. a small child could still get up on that furniture and fall out of the opening. Mm. So it's very important that consumers understand that you can't just rely on the window itself, uh, you know, the, the height of the window. Just because the code says that's okay, you need to keep an eye on your kids Mm -hmm. and keep furniture away from openings like that so that they can't crawl out and fall out the window. And screens are not safety devices. A screen is not going to keep a kid from falling out. That's correct. There are fall prevention screens, but typical insect screens that we provide with our products are not safety screens Mm -hmm. at all. And we actually have a, I believe we have a label on those screens that mentions that they're not fall prevention devices. Mm -hmm. And there are even, I've heard stories too, of people with their pets going, you know, where they get freaked out if there's a storm or whatever. And the pets will actually go out of an open window on the second floor and sustain some serious injuries. So not just the actual kids, but the fur babies too. Yeah. Oh, and I also wanted to mention is uh, at order entry. So this is another situation where it's very important to know what your applications are before you order the product. Mm -hmm. So for example, example, if you have this upstairs window and if you order the product and you didn't know that it also needed to meet egress, then you may have an issue when it comes to the inspection. And with the case of our WOCDs in our products, they're actually made to order. So they actually fabricate the window to receive that WOCD device. Mm-hmm. And so if they order a window without that, then they could have issues that, you know, they may need to either reorder the window or possibly look at an aftermarket device. So it's it's very important that you know what you need before mm. you order. You can't put it on later. Right. That's correct. Got it. Okay. The sash stops you could put on later. Yeah. But again, if you need to meet egress, the sash stop does not qualify for that uh, because okay. it has to be a permanent fixture. You can't take those out. Right. To meet egress, you can't be able to take the sash stops out and then open the window because it doesn't automatically reset when you close it. That's the reason. Okay. That makes sense because we don't want anybody not getting in or not getting out when they're not supposed to. Right. Got it. Okay. Be sure to tune in for upcoming episodes to help you understand the fenestration industry, what you need to know when buying windows and doors and other related topics. You can find out more about us at pgtiuniversity.com. You can also find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. So we have one more topic around safety, and that is safety glazing. And this is involving the glass. And so let's bring some clarity where there might be some confusion on the requirements of glass. Okay, um, take this one. I used to be in charge of our safety glazing audits for a long time. But as our glass plant has grown, now the engineers at the glass plant take care of the uh, safety glazing audits. But I'm still involved. I still try to stay in what's going on. And what is that? What is a safety glazing? audit. It's the Safety Glazing Certification Council. And twice a year, we have to send our glass in, our tempered glass and our impact glass to make sure that it is performing properly to meet the requirements for safety glazing. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Okay. And this is one of the questions I get quite often is we'll have people who are using an impact, just impact window, and it's say over the bathroom or by a pool, and they'll get questioned by the inspector that they don't see a tempered logo on there. But Mm. it's 
it's impact. And some of them think, well, it's impact, but it needs to be a tempered, tempered piece of impact glass to meet safety. But that's not the case. Impact glass, you can use annealed, annealed, and it it meets the safety glazing. Mm. Because it's not going to break into giant shards, which is the whole point of tempering or having the heat strengthened or the tempered is to prevent those giant, giant, deadly shards from happening when a window breaks. Correct. And heat strengthened glass alone won't meet safety glazing. It needs to be tempered or impact. So our products will meet that. One thing that did change recently is, so the Florida Building Code, we work mostly with a lot of uh, inspectors in Florida. They they call in the most. Mm -hmm. And the laminated insulated units, that's mm-hmm. where the confusion comes in. So the Florida Building Code was modeled after the International Building Code. And back in the day before the 2001 or before all the hurricanes came, mm-hmm. when they had the safety glazing in the code, they really weren't addressing impact. It was mostly just insulated units or monolithic units. Mm-hmm. So it was a little confusion and people, the way it read, they had to have that cap tempered mm-hmm. on the laminated insulated units. But they just recently changed that. The Florida Building Code did. So now there's an exception in and I'll just read it real quickly for you. It says outboard sacrificial panes and laminated insulating glass units and walls where the exterior of the unit is not exposed to any of the hazardous locations specified in the above. You don't have to have that side piece tempered anymore. So that's a huge thing that was just introduced into the Florida Building Code. So that's a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. Now, again, if it's in a location like by a pool, by a walking surface, it does. But if it's outside above your shower, you don't have to have that anymore. Okay. And so for those that may not be quite up to speed with this, let me just do a little layman's recap. So the sacrificial pain for our products is the outside pain when we're talking about an insulated product. So you have the piece of glass and then you have the airspace and then you have the other piece of glass and that is considered an insulated unit. When it's laminated, then that laminated piece, which is actually two pieces and then the vinyl in the middle, the plastic, the grilled cheese sandwich is on the inside. So when, so for PGT, I don't, I guess CGI is the same. Is CGI the same? Yeah, for the most part. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of products that it's reversed, but most products are. So for the most part, the expensive part of your glass package is on the inside. And then that sacrificial pane is the one that's to the outside. So if it's, you know, by a pool, then that has to be safety glazing as well. has to be tempered. But if it's just, you know, out in your backyard and there's no sidewalk or any kind of, you know, reason that you need to have that safety glazing, it's okay to have that be an annealed piece in that package. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Just just making sure. <laughs> I <laughs> Perfect. Try to, I try to keep up. <laughs> Perfect. And so that, yeah, so that just got changed uh, yes. n- not that long ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. In this code cycle. Right. And so that makes for a more economical window package because you're not paying for that extra treatment for that piece of glass that may get broken. Right. Mm-hmm. And okay. that's why I tried to tell some of our customers, like, make sure when that new building code comes out, sometimes there's little changes here and there that you want to check for because it could be beneficial to you. Right. Lisa, do you want to touch on some of the other safety glazing requirements? You're talking about HVHZ and... Well, that, but also like when is safety glazing required? There's quite a few different areas right. where safety glazing is required. I will say there's so many, I probably won't be able to list them all, yeah. but they're in chapter 24 of the building code. Okay. So if people have questions, they can check that one. But of course, if you're within so many feet of a, a pool, a sauna, etc., it needs to be safety glazed. Stairways, landings, safety glazing. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about showers, bathrooms, safety glazing, so far off the floor, safety glazing. So there's quite a few different areas and it's very specific. So 
like I said, it's in chapter 24 in the building code. If people ever have a question, Mm -hmm. they can also call in. We're we're happy to help. I talk to building departments all the time, as well as homeowners and uh, some of our distributors. And then the HVHC is the high velocity hurricane zone, and that's Dayton, Broward County. Mm -hmm. And they have some special requirements that are a little different than the rest of the state. So you want to check with them too Mm -hmm. on your high rises if they're going to require that. Right. Even in the laminated insulated units, check with them. Another important application is doors. Anytime you have a sliding glass door or a a French door, any door that has glass in it, it has to be safety glazing. Mm. Um, And for obvious reasons, if you have a large sliding glass door panel, some of the doors that were built before these safety glazing codes years ago uh, would just have a piece of annealed glass. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you fall through that, um, there's cases where people have been killed. It's just, they're like daggers. And uh, it's very dangerous with the tempered glass or the laminated glass. With the tempered glass, the glass breaks into really small cubes. Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, it's not going to slice you open. You may still get cut, but you won't get the uh, the lacerations that bleed to death. Uh, And laminated glass, of course, that plastic inner layer that we talked about holds it together. Right. So that makes that safety glazing. Right. And that is something PGT is aware of. And Mm -hmm. when you order, you don't have to special order those. All of our doors come. If it's an insulated unit, it's automatically tempered. If it's a laminated insulated unit, we always temper the outside piece. So all of our doors already have that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's considered a hazardous location, both the inside and the outside. Sure. Because you can fall through the door either way. Right. So it all has to be safety glazing. Right. And I believe PGT as well on our windows, if you have an insulated unit and it needs to be tempered, that we temper both pieces. Okay. All right. And so if a homeowner happens to get a hold of this, you can tell that something is safety glazed because there's a little bug, a little laser etched detail at the bottom corner or sometimes the top corner, sometimes inside or outside. It just kind of floats around, but it does have the manufacturer's watermark that this piece has been tempered or heat strengthened to is it heat strengthened or just tempered to be safety glazed it has to be tempered heat strengthened does not meet that requirement or laminated glass laminated glass glass. also qualifies so that that bug will be on the laminated Mm -hmm. glass as well okay so if you're wondering if your door is safe if your window is safe you can look for that little bug and if you don't see it there then chances are it's not going to be safe so might want to replace that correct Mm -hmm. there will definitely be a, a watermark just like windshields have or they used to have that little mark in the windshield windows or doors will have that as well right okay all right anything else around safety glazing any questions no okay all right well that wraps it up for episode three in windows and doors 201 and lisa and lynn thank you so much for joining us today and we'll carry on to our next conversation and um what is the next one energy codes ah energy (laughs) codes that's a big deal so we're going to talk about that one next time around all right sounds good all right thank you so much yeah Yeah. thank you have a great day thanks again all right take care bye PGTI University is the customer education team for an entire family of brands. We began with the original Easy Breeze porch and closure line, then became PGT, America's leading brand of impact-resistant windows and doors. We then added CGI, CGIC, Windor, Western Windows, New South Windows, Echo Windows and Doors, and our latest acquisition, Anlin Windows and Doors. We create products built to withstand major storms, keeping people safe, secure, and prepared. Our exceptional brands give you the protection you need without compromising design or functionality. PGTI University is here to educate you, our listener, so that you can be more informed about window and door products.